Untitled Beatles Podcast. Well, hey, welcome to the Untitled Beatles Podcast. I'm Tony. And I'm TJ. And Tony, this is not just any other episode. We have something a little bit different. It's an episode of McCartney, A Life and Lyrics. It's this new podcast. It's from iHeartMedia, MPL, and Pushkin Industries. Pushkin Little Daisies and Make Them Come Up. All you Ween fans. Thank you. Life <laughs> ends in 1992, according to us. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Sponge Bobby Hill. <laughs> I'm going to get a hot dog. So, yeah, man, this is a total coup. We got an episode of this new Maca podcast. We're going to share it with you. And as part of this series, you'll hear conversations between Paul McCartney and poet Paul Muldoon as they dissect the people and experiences that shaped McCartney's songwriting. It says here, TJ, it's a combination masterclass, memoir, and improvised journey with one of the most beloved figures in popular music. Freeze, what suggestion of something Journey might sing about? <laughs> oh, uh, Streetlights. Great. We now present Improvised Journey. <laughs> I can do this. Line. Oh, well, just line. Well, I, it's improvised. I don't, line. there are no lines. But then, then take lights, because I don't have it. <laughs> lights. Street lights, that is. Street lights, improvised. Open arms in separate ways. <laughs> Tony, back to the podcast. If you've read the Paul McCartney lyrics book, this is almost like an audio version because Paul Muldoon, many McCartney fans know from the big wings hit Muldoon of Kintyre. Thank you. <laughs> How come that wasn't no hit in America? So, Tony, this podcast is remarkable. It uses a lot of audio that was recorded during the creation of the Paul McCartney Lyrics book, which Paul Muldoon uh, collaborated with Sir Paul on. And the podcast is fantastic. And the episode that we're going to present for you right now that we both had a chance to listen to is of the opening track of the White Album. And he, you know about the song and you've read about the song and you know the song backwards and forwards, and yet you still learn new things in what's about to follow. I loved this. Yeah, man, it's great. The production on it is real fun. I feel like it's a very gussied up, classier version of what we do in our damp basement here together. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, the thin line between moist and damp. Free, <laughs> sing it. Just, Just a, a moist damp. <laughs> but this is incredible. We're going to look at the legacy of back in the USSR. Um, they certainly speak to the, how the meaning of the song has changed, certainly in the 20-some years since Paul met Vladimir Putin when he did the Red Square show. Only available on DVD. They never made a, a CD or download of that, by the way. Yeah. And it's a it's a great his band's on fire in that, the Paul's recent band. But Tony, this is amazing. And it's gonna answer the question: why was Paul McCartney writing a song about the Soviet Union in 1968? It's true, man. Yeah. And trigger warning, they're gonna make a lot of references from the 20th century, and they're gonna talk about politics. So for some of our more sensitive listeners, just be forewarned. Yes, this is going to get ready for the bleep. Yes, this is going to offend the fuck bags <laughs> among you who think uh, Ukraine should be defunded. Fuck you! <laughs> well, here's <laughs> well, here's the episode. You can subscribe to McCartney: A Life and Lyrics wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you like it here on the Untitled Beatles podcast. And on behalf of the Untitled Beatles podcast, this is our final episode. Bye-bye.
at the height of the Cold War. With the closing of the border, Soviet divisions in East Germany were on the move, with combat forces brought into strategic positions for the contest over the status of Berlin. At a time when two halves of the world were separated by an iron curtain on the brink of nuclear war, the Beatles released, well, a strange kind of rock and roll song. I'm Paul Muldoon. I'm a poet, a lover of not only the lyric poem, but the song lyric. Over the past several years, I've got to spend time with one of the greatest songwriters of our era. And will you look at me? It's happened. I'm going on tour. I'm actually a performer. That's Sir Paul McCartney. He and I worked on a book together, looking at the lyrics of more than 150 of his songs. And we recorded many hours of our conversations. Am I actually a songwriter? My God, well, that that crept up on me. This is McCartney, A Life in Lyrics. It's a masterclass, a memoir, and an improvised journey with one of the most iconic figures in popular music. In this episode, back in the USSR. Mobilization efforts during the last months of 1961 brought the United States Army to a strength of over a million men, subsequently increasing our troop strength throughout Europe. It's hard to imagine just how puzzling it would have been in 1968 to hear a song about somebody being happy to leave the West and go back to the Soviet Union. Only a few months before, Russian tanks had rolled into Prague to crack down on protests against Soviet control. This 1968 report from ABC News highlights the extent of the operation. Russian tanks and infantry, aided by troops from East Germany, Hungary, Poland and Bulgaria, have occupied Czechoslovakia and have crushed the new and relatively liberal leadership of that small country. The way this song turns the cultural and political world order on its head is what makes it the joke of an era. As was often the case for McCartney, he drew inspiration from what was happening in the wider world, as well as from the songs that were playing on his radio. Chuck Berry wrote a song called Back in the US, which we were very familiar with. And so I kind of thought it was, it was kind of cool. It was obviously a serviceman returning home, right. going back into the, the US, going back into his home civilization. Chuck Berry had come back from a trip to Australia where he had witnessed the dismal living conditions of the indigenous population. And he wrote this song as a kind of anthem to his glorious USA. Glossing over the struggles of the American civil rights movement at the time, 
Berry's song is a celebration of capitalism and the economic boom of the 1950s, of drive-ins and sizzling hamburgers. Paul McCartney and the Beatles loved Chuck Berry, and they loved this upbeat celebratory anthem. But now a decade had passed. The Vietnam War was a total failure, and the world's love affair with American culture had started to wear off. It's a little bit too pro-US, because we were in the UK. so I could poke fun at it in my own way. And when I saw that USSR was kind of similar, then I realized I could sit it back in the US, I could do a little parody on Chuck's idea of being back. And I would have a Russian guy who'd come from America and was glad to be back in Russia. And he'd come, he'd come from Miami on BOAC, British Overseas Airways Corporation. BOAC's outstanding contribution to the second generation of jet airliners. The speaker of the song, the protagonist, flies back to the Soviet Union with the glamour of modern jet travel, like that showcased in this 1964 ad for BOAC. In the economy class, the standard is so high that passengers can easily persuade themselves that they're VIPs travelling first. One medium dry vodka martini. Mixed like you said, sir. Who is this man? It's easy to imagine him as a kind of suave jet setter, fluent in many languages, lots of charm, maybe like a James Bond type. The Prime Minister's talked to Moscow. They're saying it was an accident during a routine training exercise. Governments change, the lies stay the same. Except he wouldn't be reporting to MI6 or Dame Judi Dench, rather the KGB. He's flying home from Miami. He's just been to sunny Florida, maybe hanging out on the beach, which gets us to the bridge. If the verse is setting up a joke, the punchline is the bridge. When our protagonist starts listing the territories of the former Soviet Union. The harmonies of the bridge were inspired by the Beach Boys. In fact, when the Beatles went to India in 1968 to meditate, Mike Love of the Beach Boys was there too. He has even claimed in several interviews that he gave McCartney the idea for that part of the song. Where did the Beach Boys fit into this? Well, they were big influences around about the time. So this, as I'm doing a parody of Chuck, and I'm doing it, I'm doing it American, but it's a, it's a Russian guy having all the sentiments. So I'm using stuff from the Beach Boys for the parody. Girls in the 
So when I'm going, uh, Ukraine girls really knock me out. I'm thinking California girls are knocking me out. I think I was very lucky. As I say, when I hit this little humorous vein, it, it seemed to just sort of flow. So I, you know, I know what I'm doing now. I'm, it's in the middle. So now I'm going to go into detail about the countries and the territories. So we got Ukraine and we've got Moscow and we've got Georgia. Well, if I say Georgia, I think of the old American song, Georgia on my mind which I would be thinking of the Ray Charles Georgia on my mind. Georgia Georgia The whole day through Ray Charles' home state of Georgia is suddenly transformed into the Soviet satellite nation of Georgia. And now the joke is complete leaving behind the sun and fun of Miami and old sweet Georgia, we break through the wall, eager to get back into the USSR on board our BOAC jet. I don't think I ever understood at the time that BOAC was in the first line. I'm not sure if I ever quite yeah. understood what it was. Yeah. Now, does that horrify you? No. Not at all. I mean, I'm still finding things in these lyrics, but I do sometimes think, I mean, particularly about this one, how amazingly ancient all the ideas are. Now, there isn't a USSR anymore. There isn't a BOAC. And I often wonder, like you didn't get it. Mm. I don't think the kids get it. I'm not sure they know what USSR was. Yeah. It's just it's just a rock and roll song. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, the, the joke is that I then split it up back in the US, back in the US, back in the USSR. More from Paul and Sir Paul after a quick break. TJ, don't you just love the music of the Beatles? Tony, that's not the Beatles. That's the DVD menu music from the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Oh, I know that, TJ. I just love the Beatles so much, I even love the sound-alike bands. Well, I'm a purist, Tony, and I'm looking through you. <laughs> I'm Tony. And I'm TJ. And we host the Untitled Beatles podcast. It's a celebration of the Fab Four with us, a couple of improv idiots. Yeah, it's like hanging out backstage at a Chicago comedy club doing bits about the <laughs> best band in the world. Thank you. Now, TJ, would you say that we're like the Siskel and Ebert of Beatles podcasts? You know, Tony, I would not. The Greg Codd and Jim DeRogatis? Uh, no. Captain and Tennille? Tony, we're the Jimmy Nickel and Kurt Claudio of Beatles podcasts. Well, hey, I get to be Kurt Claudio. No, you're the drummer. I'm Kurt Claudio. Have any toast? <laughs> Untitled Beatles podcast. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Sunshine, nature, lab coats, solutions. At Kenny Rogers Roasters, we want you to be healthy. Try Kenny's new meatless chicken gambling chips. 
fresh, delicious plant-based chicken fashioned into easy-to-eat circular bites, rich with desirable potassium. Thank you. Teacher says we must eat healthy. Kenny Rogers Roasters. Less fat, less salt, less meat, less calories. We now return to our special presentation of A Life in Lyrics. While the song has an upbeat rock and roll energy, the subtext of the lyrics is certainly more bittersweet. The Soviet Union at the time was a totalitarian state with strong censorship in place. You know, it was always grey. So, I mean, when I'm writing this song, it's very much tongue-in-cheek. I'm not really thinking there's anything for this guy to go back to. I mean, I remember when we first went to Berlin and sort of looked over the wall. Aware of their special responsibilities on this trouble spot between the free and communist worlds, American soldiers of the Berlin garrison are combat-ready and alert. To me, I just knew there was like a, a vast grey expanse that was beyond this wall, and that we were all in technicolor. People in East Germany continue to risk their lives to escape to the free world. Everyone in Russia who goes back to the Beatles period remembers having to smuggle records, or it was all very, you know, uh, little rooms where you could play it and you didn't want people to know, you didn't want the authorities to know that you were listening to this forbidden group. Which really, uh, we loved the idea of that, that we were getting smuggled with, along with Levi jeans. And this was like true cultural arrival. A little over a decade after the fall of the Soviet Union, McCartney really did arrive when he was invited to give a concert on Red Square in Moscow. And when he played back in the USSR, he felt the whole crowd rise and join in the song. During his time in Russia, this was 2003, McCartney got to meet a young Vladimir Putin, then serving his first term as president. There's actually a news clip of the occasion, and you see Putin and McCartney sitting across from each other like two statesmen. And then Paul McCartney pops the question. When you were growing up, did you listen to the Beatles? Yes, it was extremely popular. It was like a gulp of freedom. Your music was like an open window to the world. It was, uh, it was banned by the authorities, I understand. It was considered at this time a propaganda of some alien ideology. It would have seemed unimaginable then that 20 years later, the same man would order Russian troops to invade Ukraine, an act of war unparalleled in Europe since the end of the Second World War cracking down on any protest, arresting journalists, assassinating political enemies, jailing young women for singing in churches. Once again, closing the window to the outside world. 
My conversation with Paul McCartney took place before the current war in Ukraine, but during our time together, we often spoke about the subversive nature of art and how, throughout history, music has served as a beacon of freedom. Art is dangerous. To some people. Um, we always thought that we were on the right side, that if we were dangerous, we were dangerous to the Russian authorities. Um, and to us, that said, they're not that good. Right. It's sort of, that was how we felt. And I think it's, it's, it was true to a large extent that they were trying to suppress this Western influence. Um, and it goes on, you know, I know there was a period when you thought, oh, it's all clearing up. But it's actually, this, this suppression and, uh, is back, big time, you know, with sort of on many countries now. And um, it's sort of been given a free pass. And everyone's kind of stymied and sort of saying, no, please don't do that. But I mean, God knows what the politics and the realities are behind it. But anyway, so for me, it's kind of nice to just escape into a song like this. Back in the USSR, from the 1968 record titled The Beatles, also known as The White Album. In the next episode, Paul McCartney tells us about how his late mother visited him in a dream and gave him some words of wisdom. Seeing her beautiful, kind face was very comforting. I immediately felt at ease and loved. One of the Beatles' last hits, Let It Be, is an answer to the band's inner turmoil and to Hamlet's age-old question, to be or not to be. Well, there it was, TJ McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, back in the USSR. Look forward next week. It's going to be Let It Be. That's going to be pretty cool, man. Yeah, I'm excited about Let It Be, but I was kind of hoping he'd get into the magic of Stranglehold from Press to Play. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what Paul thinks of Stranglehold by Ted Nugent. (laughs) Which is the better Stranglehold? That'll be our our next March Madness question. No. Yeah, man, that was cool, man. I liked that a lot. Obviously, the production is so nice and great. I like it. Gets poetic. It's Paul Muldoon, a poet. It's great, man. I also love that they explored the comedy of it. Yeah, Paul talking about writing the bridge to pay off the jokes about yeah. the Ukraine girl. Uh, it was interesting to hear him describe it from the mind of a comedian. Yeah. And when you think about one of the lovable things about the Beatles, 
is they were all so funny in their own way. I think if Paul McCartney weren't so funny, he wouldn't be as grounded as a, of a person as he is. Yeah, it is. And I feel like they were getting into that uh, comedy punchline stuff around Rubber Soul with Drive My Car and all that. It's cool to hear. Yeah, it's cool to hear him talk like a comedy writer. And they were obviously comedy fans. They appreciated comedy as an art. And they incorporated that into a lot of their art, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, I'm always surprised how many comedies don't win Picture of the Year, you know, for talking about the Oscars and all that. Like, comedy seems to always get kind of looked down upon as, like, not serious art. But comedy is very serious. And, in fact, a lot of people make their best points using comedy with a little thing called satire. Yeah. You, you remember satire? I do remember satire. M- remember when that was allowed? <laughs> Does anyone remember satire? Does anybody remember laughter? We've forgotten satire. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, one thing that listening to this episode really kind of gave me the the good feeling on was how great of a song back in the USSR (laughs) is. It was just a moment you almost take for granted. Okay, it's the White Album opener. I've just seen it twice in Beatles Love in Las Vegas. And you take for granted what a great song it is. We talk about album openers like File Under Rock. File Under Rock. It is a (laughs) badass song. It is, man. It is. And uh, yeah, obviously the episode's called The Life and Lyrics. They're not getting into like the nuts and bolts under the hood of the recording and all that because obviously Ringo didn't play on this one. I was surprised they didn't mention that. That was yeah. in my notes. Should they? A great episode. Five fabs. Should they have told the audience that's Paul on drums, not Ringo? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Again, it's called Life and Lyrics. So I feel like they're focusing on the song craft itself, meaning the songwriting as opposed to the recording process. So... That's what I think. Well, until they make a correction, I'm boycotting you. <laughs> Speaking of boycotting, I thought that bit with Putin was wild. I didn't yeah. really know that, I think. So that to me is just so strange to hear those two interacting with each other. And especially Paul kind of bringing up the legacy of the Beatles music in Russia, you know, or the USSR, I guess. Yeah, there's a whole feature on that, and that interview is included on the DVD, uh, the Red Square DVD that came out in maybe 05 or 06. Indeed, the Soviet government hasn't realized in the beginning how dangerous the Beatles were. Something was happening that they wanted to control, and they didn't know how to do it. In the words of Russia's President Vladimir Putin, back then, McCartney's music was seen as alien propaganda. I'm really happy they addressed the politics aspect of it, Tony, because I was starting to wonder if they were going to do that. And they did it Mm -hmm. in a way that was very classy and informative and obviously shows that both Sir Paul and Poet Paul are on the right side of history regarding Ukraine. Yeah, man. Yeah, I know. Sometimes we catch some flack for talking about politics on this show and people don't want to hear it and this and that. And we, you know, we try, we try to stay off of it. But uh, yeah, the Beatles towards the end were a political group. The Beatles was a phenomenon and it was a phenomenon of freedom. We are coming with Paul McCartney to confirm you all ready for us. We are ready to rock Russia. This from our producer KC on our Slack channel. This podcast is going to be so good. Pushkin has a track record of blurring the line between audiobook and podcast, and this is just going to be a total treasure and maybe a sensation. So 
There's there's your poll quote, <laughs> New York Times. <laughs> is that God? Is that Casey or Tony Barrow? <laughs> One thing I, I was surprised I didn't mention as well was you know Paul's Russian album that I want to say came out in Russia only, Choba B C C C P in '87, and then was finally released in the states in either '90 90 or '91. That's Paul's covers album, um, the original one before Run Devil Run by some years, but. That's something Paul did exclusively by releasing it on EMI's label in Russia. I think Meloidia, I, I, I think that's how it's pronounced. But that was a big thing, too. So Paul's relationship with Russia and Russian audiences has gone on for many a decade. I miss the Saturday dance. I might have gone but what for. It's awfully different without you. Don't get around once in and I, you know, I, I hate to correct you on this, but it's pronounced Choba B three hundred P. I thought it was Choba B P three Z nuts. <laughs> BB, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, BB Newworth. BB Newworth for cheers. Well, dude, uh, I am totally looking forward to hearing the rest of these. Man, I think they're well produced. They're very digestible. This one was like, it's like a 17 minute episode. You know, these are things you can do while you're, you know, making dinner, washing the dishes, etc. It's so well produced. Paul Muldoon's contributions as I'd never heard him speak before. Speak, Paul, speak. I see one holding horse dung. <laughs> but certainly his gravitas as a poet and his choice of syntax and the, his his voice are wonderful. So it's a really neat podcast where you learn stuff, you get to hear some of the greatest songs ever written, and to be brutally honest, anything Paul McCartney involved, sign me up. I'm only disappointed <laughs> that this podcast didn't cost me $400 and come with a bonus test pressing from Liverpool Oratorio. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Reminder, TJ's uh, extra seven inch in the, the Maca seven inch box. Was... My midlife crisis purchase last year. Yeah. And the bonus disc you got was a test pressing of Liverpool Oratorio. You, I mean, God bless you, Kerry Ticonaway. You can't give me a figure of eight. <laughs> Can a guy get an only love remains? Not the original single mix. Paul, we got to talk. Well, thanks to the, the folks over at Pushkin for allowing us to, uh, yeah, play this podcast on our feed. And thank you for listening to us, listening to it. <laughs> As Salt and Pepper might say, Pushkin's real good. <laughs> Pushkin. Pushkin. Real good. Pushkin. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. 